Well, this isn't a desktop. You mean just your... The, the desktop of the laptop. The desktop of the laptop. I would... Mm, <laughs> you know. You know, the thing. The desktop. Yeah. You how know. it works. All right. Uh, hi, everyone. Hi. I'm Dan. Hi. Hi. I'm Patrick. We're doing things out of order. Yeah? <laughs> not really. Look, we're just going to keep going now. Thing. Okay. They're not going to say hi. I, they're gonna say I said hi. I said hi, but I didn't say who I was. Yeah, I know. Uh, but that's okay. I'm going to stare at my uh, piece of software here until it decides to start responding and prove that it was recording the whole time. It was. Good. Nope, nope. There we go No, again. we're going to start over. Oh, no, no. We can do it. It's fine. Let's start over. <laughs> what do you mean start over? I think I'm really going to edit out this part. No, this is the fun part. I'm Carrie. All right. I'm Grandpa, but I don't know where Welcome to the 2000 Academy Awards. We made it to the new year. New millennium. New millennium. But uh, the computer didn't. The computer didn't. We're gonna, I'm working on that. Technology is difficult. Uh, this is If I Ran the Oscars, our podcast where everything works all the time. Uh, and we look at one movie from every year the Academy Awards were on TV. We look at what it won for and three other categories at random. And this is going to be a pretty good year because not only are we talking about a movie that won for best costumes. Which makes mom happy. Which makes mom happy. But we're talking about Gilbert and Sullivan, which makes grandpa happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the number one movie this year for winning awards was American Beauty with Kevin Spacey, who has had a bit of a... Uh, Decline in his career. Since then. Uh, in the past few years. Yeah. Uh, also, this year, The Matrix, which I thought would have been great fun to have Mom be forced to watch. I didn't want to watch that. Mom did not want to watch that. Uh, Neither did Grandpa, I think. No. He just didn't know it. Uh, Academy Award fact, Angelina Jolie and John Voight become the second father-daughter pair to win acting Oscars. Well, not not in the, the same fondance. year. Hmm? The Fondas were the other ones. Yeah, probably the Fondas. But yeah, this is they did not win in the same year, obviously. But I could not have told you off the top of my head that Angelina Jolie was John Voight's kid. I could have. I knew I that. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. I probably had heard it once, but it's not something that I have to remember. Well, I heard she was somebody's kid. But She's know. definitely somebody's kid. But the movie we're watching is called Topsy Turvy. And if you haven't heard of it... That's okay. It didn't do very well in theaters. It uh, had a budget of $20 million and made back six. And not surprise. I don't think that's terribly surprising because while the periods in the movie where it was just people performing the opera were very good, that's not exactly something audiences are going to want to go see. I would rather have seen the whole Mikado start to finish. Yeah. And I think that, like, if you're going to put on one-tenth of the Mikado mm-hmm. and put together all of the music and the practice and the costumes for it. Yeah. So, choice is different there, but this film is about, as she said, the making of, kind of the writing of the story that led up to the creation of Gilbert and Sullivan's opera, The Mikado, which is their ninth opera. I did, in fact, look it up, and much like their other operas, uses the setting of another country to satirize British politics and culture. Now, we didn't see very much of that in this film because it was mostly about the people making it. I think it's a little difficult for today's... Or the, what was this, 1920? 2000? 
This movie came out in 1999. 1999, yeah. Well, by that time... That's more than 100 years after. Yeah. So... People in this one, now, since this was made in Britain by people who were good at acting. And uh, singing. And singing. There are three people in this film that went on to be in Harry Potter. Because you're such a nerd. Because that's what happens when you're a good British actor, is you be in Harry Potter. Uh, First on that list is Jim Broadbent, who played Gilbert. I recognized him not from Harry Potter, but from Hot Fuzz with Simon Pegg. I oh, forgot dear. that he was in that. He's the uh, chief inspector in the small town. Oh, funny. Okay. Who talks about the guy with the great big bushy beard. Oh, okay. I think so, yeah. But he's been in lots of other things. Uh, he was in Time Bandits in 1981. Oh, dear. Uh, also, Bridget Jones's Diary, The Iron Lady, Cloud Atlas. He was in the seventh season of Game of Thrones. I didn't know that. He gets to be in all of the good stuff. Yeah. And he's in the new Paddington Bear movies. Oh, dear. (laughs) He's done a lot of work. He's done a lot of work. He's another one of those good British actors that just does stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh He's all over the place. Uh, Opposite him, as Sullivan, is Alan Cordiner. He has done less stuff, necessarily. This is his most well-known role by a significant portion. He's only done 44-odd films himself, uh, though done some voice acting and audiobooks. There are other people in here that are worth talking about. The one that I was kind of most surprised at, not because I recognized him, but because of what he's ended up doing. His name is Dexter Fletcher. And if we're looking at the credits of the movie, he was the second one on the list because it was in order of appearance. Mm. He is Sullivan's assistant, the one he was saying schnell to. Mm -hmm. He Mm. appeared in... Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which I understand is a good movie. But most recently, he started directing in 2011 and took over the production of the movie Bohemian Rhapsody in 2018, the Queen biopic, Mm. which was very good, Mm. and then directed Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Didn't know that. So that's cool. So much, not so much acting out of him, but other interesting stuff. Uh, Harry Potter actor number two is Timothy Spall, who I was thinking, how am I going to recognize this guy? And then, oh, no, it's this guy. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about. what character he's, he is. He's uh, the guy who solo is coming at the end, Mr. Temple. Mm-hmm. He plays a guy who's a rat oh, in, Harry in Harry Potter. He's a guy who can turn into a rat, and he has the most crooked teeth and, like, rat face that you've ever seen. And in this one, he looks much more sophisticated. But, I mean, it's definitely the same guy. Uh, The third Harry Potter person is Shirley Henderson. This was the uh, young lady who was taking the lead roles in this film. Uh, She's not a main character in the Harry Potter movies. She plays... Uh, a dead student ghost in the toilets. Oh, Is that the one I just saw? I can't like the it. only Harry Potter movie I've seen a little piece of. She's it in was two. Plumbing. Oh, She's yeah. in two of them, and yes, probably. I've only seen that that scene in Harry that Potter. That little piece yep. of a scene. It also says funny. she's in Frozen, and I went, no, she's not, and I clicked on it. It's another movie named Frozen. It's not oh. that one. Oh, it's not Disney. It's not the one we were thinking of, because 
I don't remember her being in there. Uh, there's a lot of other actors in here that don't have that didn't go on to have amazing huge careers. Except for one, and I do feel like I should not nerd out too much about Andy Circus mm. this time and save it for save some of it for later. I don't Be- even know who that is. Uh he was the choreographer. Oh, okay. And he will he will go on from here to be Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Oh. As in the guy that does the voice, facial uh, stuff, and motion capture that they use to create the CG character. Oh. 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 And then, after that, he's the main monkey in the remake of the Planet of the Apes movies. <laughs> doing the same thing. Okay. He's He did the, like, grunt work and the facial animation and the motion capture. So was this man's first career as a dancer? Uh, it doesn't... Early life. His his acting and his stage presence, he walked around like mm-hmm. he was a dancer. Uh, visual arts and theater. Looks like this guy was just really good at uh, body language storytelling. Body language storytelling. Which... Seeing as that's what it turned out that he was uh-huh. good at and has made a career out of, yes. Uh, in this film, he was the most animated choreographer you've ever seen. That's right, he was. Mm-hmm. And He the, was doing the silly walk, he was doing everything. Yeah, waving like a chicken. moving his arms all the time. and mm-hmm. He never walked a regular gait. No, at all. I... We will hopefully watch at least one of the Lord of the Rings movies, at which point I will add to his things the number of times people have said that he should be at least nominated for an acting award, despite not appearing on screen, because of how much work it takes to act with the motion capture suit, and even though someone else is going in there and, like, tweaking things. Right, right. But that's a story that I'm going to save for when he's actually doing that. But he's done a lot of stuff, and I appreciate him as an actor because he works very hard right. to not get seen. In any case, Grandpa, tell us about Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm. Well, I, what, what would you like to hear? It's just, it's just delightful stuff all the way through. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite one? I don't have a favorite. All right. Mm. I like all. I, let me, I, I think I can say that Mikado is probably my least favorite. Mm. But uh, there's so much other. This is good too. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I, I like it, but uh, and always have. Mm-hmm. I remember it from when I was a little kid. These tools and uh, tunes and jigging around. And... For your information, the Mikado opened in 1885 and ran for 672 performances. I'm not surprised. Which made it at the time the second longest running musical theater production in the world. It has since been eclipsed because Broadway exists. Sure, sure, and West End. By a significant amount, but it is still one of those... Times have changed. Yeah. No no one will say no if somebody's like, hey, you want to do the Mikado? They're like, yeah, let's do the Mikado. Yeah. I don't have too much more information about this behind the scenes-wise because they really... There's not a lot of information about it, at least as far as uh, cursory Googling goes. We'd have to be getting into... uh, actual research or behind-the-scenes documentaries, and we can't be bothered to do either of those things. No, not today. Well, this is 19th century stuff. Mm-hmm. And who knows what a pinafore is or was. What? It's a, it's a, it's a girl's dress. 
Well, actually, it's something that's pinned onto the fore of your dress. Well, okay. It is a sleeveless garment uh, worn as an apron. Because that's, you that's, pin that's it, I, uh, you pin yeah. it onto the front of your dress. Yeah, that's what I was with straight pins. apron. Yeah, right, right. I <clears throat> would you like to uh, nerd out about costumes? Oh, the costumes were really well. Other than just saying this was really visually beautiful, like I've said on other podcasts, if you've listened to me blather about costumes, I I really love the the small details. So the the little pin tucks in the the fronts of shirts and dresses and the the uh, the thread embellishments and and the hats, beautiful hats. Oh, you know, let alone the theater costumes, which were you know looked like gorgeous kimono theater costumes and they actually had costumers as actors preparing costumes for the theater productions which was kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. mix of how to do you know like what costumes were required within Mm -hmm. the film it was a whole bunch of strange things there's sort of a a volume of costumes per actor going on in this piece But I think, you know, if we're talking about, uh, you know, this time period, uh, Victorian you know, embellishment and uh, fabrics and tassels and laces and ribbons and and uh, shiny cording and... Um, layers. And layers There's and layers and ruffles and layers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not only in the costuming, but also in other fabrics that were in the households. Um, the the tablecloths, the the curtains, the, bed the draperies, the yes, the bedclothes, the I mean, all of it was highly detailed, which gives you that that uh, it places it in history. And um, yeah, anyway, gorgeous, so, uh, deserving of an award, and it in fact did. And I looked at the other movies, and I'll be honest, n- none of these other ones had a chance. Right. Really, uh. luckily for us, Matrix wasn't on that list. Matrix had garbage costumes. Yeah, yeah. they were not that interesting. But the person who did the costume, a lady by the name of Lindy Hemming, she has one Academy Award for this. Mm-hmm. However, let's list off some other movies that she's done. Okay. Uh, James Bond movies from GoldenEye to Casino Royale. Oh, cool. Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral in 1994. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And uh, the, the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies and Wonder Woman. The wow. new Wonder Woman? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I like that film. Uh, two of her costumes from Tomorrow Never Dies are in a collection on display in Miami. One of them is the newspaper suit coat that the guy's wearing. He, the, the bad guy he is in charge of media mogul stuff. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. No. She she done good she done good stuff. Uh, Wonder Woman was nominated for the Critics Choice Movie Award for Best Costume Design, becoming the first superhero film to receive the nomination. Hmm. So you know, doing good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah One yeah. Costume Designer Guild Award things for The Dark Knight and Wonder Woman. So yeah. in her field of peers, she right. is good at her job. Right. She's recognized. Sadly, that's not the topic we're talking about today. We are talking about makeup instead. The other thing this movie won for. Oh. And the people who did the makeup do not have impressive uh, Wikipedia pages full of awards. They won... It was two people working together as the makeup coordinators, and they both won 
won award. It was this one. And one of them, Trevor Proud. Maybe it's probably Trevor, but it's with an F. I also did Gladiator and Star Wars Episode One, but not a whole lot to say to them. What do you think about the makeup, people? Well, this, you know, to do Oriental makeup on Caucasians is an art, I think. Yeah, and there's also just the generals of stage makeup because they not only had to put the stage makeup on the people for being on camera, but then overdo it for being on stage, and then they're taking it off or having it look partially on. There was a lot of work to make it look like this was normal. Yeah, this was normal theater. They were at rehearsal. They were coming out of rehearsal, yeah. you know, with the makeup going mm-hmm. back and forth. I also thought that the the uh, actor who played the choreographer, I thought he looked a little green to me. And I thought, I wondered if that was a way that they used the makeup to, you know, have us feel uneasy about his character. Um, you know, there was the character who... Um, is having a problem with some illicit drug use. And, uh, you know, I thought they did a good job of making him look perhaps pale. Yeah, who mm-hmm. was that? Was that the guy we were talking about? Yeah, Andy Serkis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I picked up on the fact that he was giving himself a shot, but, mm-hmm. but at least I no. thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that was a, that was a different guy. That was the lead actor guy, not the choreographer guy. No, yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, uh, yeah, two different guys, okay. right? But I think, and also the um, uh, Gilbert's wife, who was always very fashionably dressed, but then at the end of the film, uh, you know, there's a scene where they're at home and she's ready for bed, and she she looks like her makeup is off, and she's. And, and she looks more, you know, she's casual because she's getting ready for bed. And I think that it was really good transitions from, uh, you know, heavy, sort of overly done, heavy lines for stage makeup, mm-hmm. you know, 1885 style, to, you know, the everyday stuff. I had to look hard at her to make sure it was his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So makeup-wise, they won, obviously, because we're mm-hmm. talking about it. Mm-hmm. Also nominated... Bicentennial Man, which is the movie where they make Robin Williams a robot. Yep. Hmm. Okay. And the first Austin Powers movie. Oh, dear. Where uh, Michael Myers plays two different characters. Yeah. And they don't look similar. And it's always disappointing when those get nominated for the the makeup person's ability to, you know, make someone look like two people. Yeah. Because I believe movies like Norbit end up getting nominated for that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, but anyways, good job on this movie. Mm-hmm. Good makeup. First bonus category, cinematography. What do we think about the f- camera work? I don't think it was particularly interesting. I don't think it was award, award-winning. Like, it was competent. It was competent, for sure. Yeah, but there was nothing... It wasn't extraordinary. No. And it didn't need to be, really. You know, mm-hmm. it was 19th century display they didn't have all this fantastic jazz that goes on and has gone on for the last half century mm-hmm. yeah. to uh, try to replicate. Yeah. But <clears throat> wasn't nominated. I'm a little surprised that uh, The Matrix wasn't nominated for camera work, but I think that in general, the stu- the interesting shots that made The Matrix cool were not what would be considered at the time cinematography. Right. No, that right. was computer. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking even this film... You know, I'm not sure that there were 
interesting, uh, you know, cut shots or transitions or you know, there certainly wasn't the opportunity for grand landscape. No, well, like definitely that. not that. You know, or uh, yeah, I mean, there didn't. There seem were a to couple be of scenes, like there was one it. scene where they were, I can't remember, one an apartment or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were doing this slow pan yeah. for a really long time, going around the whole space and seeing all the stuff, which led me to believe to to perceive not not necessarily good cinematography, but art direction. Mm-hmm. There in were the, some art in direction. The old mother's apartment. There were some art direction yeah. scenarios that I thought mm-hmm. I, I would, and that's not a consideration from our, our randomness tonight. But yeah, but it is something we probably should talk about a little bit. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The, unfortunately, art direction is not on our list. No, but uh, that doesn't mean we can't talk about it because cor- we can talk about whatever we want. Correct. <laughs> uh, so nothing on here for art direction. Sleepy Hollow. Uh, well. Cinematography was American Beauty, which, yeah. as I understand it, is a fine movie mm-hmm. starring someone who turned out to be a jerk. Uh, next on our list of things we're actually talking about is sound recording, which, seeing as maybe this one didn't nec- didn't do anything interesting with the actual sound recording, but we can comment that the people in the movie were actually singing mm-hmm. and probably and actually playing, playing instruments. instruments. Yeah. yeah, right. They were. Which is something we don't always see, especially on this scale, mm-hmm. on right. something that's not technically a musical. Right. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Matrix 1 for sound. We will all put on our surprised faces. Mm-hmm. We promise. Uh, and the third category for today is best uh, best screenplay. We rolled adapted, but this one is clearly an original screenplay and was nominated. Mm-hmm. It was? It was. It was. Okay, you know why I'm surprised? No. Well, because I, I really enjoy films where there's a compelling story and I really care about the characters. And uh, I mean, uh, full disclosure, yes, I was finishing cooking supper during the beginning of the film, so I didn't see a lot of the setup. But I felt like I didn't really care about anybody. I, I felt like there wasn't, there, for me, there wasn't a major story thread. I would agree that there was not enough of a story thread through the movie. It felt more like a documentary in pace to me. Mm-hmm. Which would have worked as well. Because they, they've they mm-hmm. made movies that are supposed to be paced like a documentary. I... Right. Well, they, some of them are filmed like documentaries as well. Sure. I uh, mean, the one we Saving Private Ryan is mm-hmm. a movie that's supposed to look kind of like a documentary. Right. Uh, but the problem with this one is it would have worked better as a documentary, but also they put in all of these little dangling plot threads for every other side character, and only one of them got any kind of resolution. Mm hmm. Yeah, which is which is Mr. Temple getting to do his solo and everyone coming to bat for him, which is interesting to me because they had a specific camera choice near the end that I thought was building to a putting a period on his story because when everyone is bowing at the end, he's not the only one who isn't looking down. Correct. Hmm. Everyone, yeah. and then when they when they're doing their encore bows, he's looking down. But at the very end, before the curtain falls, he's looking out. Yeah. And I thought that was leading to him making eye contact with Gilbert or something. Right. And him having a little, 
I suppose you were right. It was a good song type of thing. But it left us hanging. It left us hanging. There's the guy who's doing drugs. There's the fancy guy who insists on wearing a corset. There's the girl who is either an alcoholic or like or a lesbian and we aren't sure which and neither of those gets resolved. There's I Every, well, is it because there's, everything's topsy-turvy and nothing is as it seems? Well, to, the topsy-turvy part isn't leaving threads undone. It's the it's juxtaposition of two interesting things and how do they work together. That's how the topsy-turvy of the uh, operas usually work. But it's also, there were opposites presented to us throughout the film that sometimes, or oftentimes, didn't get resolved. You know, the yeah. old mother that he doesn't like. We don't know why, but it doesn't get resolved either. But does that make it a good story? No. No. I mean, that's this is my yeah. point, is I think there were too many of these opposites or presenting, you know, an open-ended story, and we don't get the end. Yeah. So yeah. it's topsy-turvy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can do movies with unambiguous endings, or, or ambiguous endings. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, unambiguous endings definitely. Ambiguous endings definitely. Yeah. You can also do something, something Inception. <laughs> but that one had one plot thread that was not covered, and it was the main plot of the movie. Correct. And it did. They didn't just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Right. They right, left right. it as ah, oh, we're about to tell you in three, two credits. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie was, you know, every 15 minutes, it felt like they were forgetting about a plot. Yeah. Right. How about that opening scene? What, the one where everyone was looking at seats? <laughs> no, right. Yeah. Something woke me up, and I stayed awake the rest of the movie. Uh, no, he was in bed, and then he wakes up shaking. Up oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Jeez. And no. you wonder, okay, what's going on with this yeah, guy? Right. You don't know who it is at the I time, mean, and... What the, I thought I was singing to myself. I thought this was supposed to be Gilbert and Sullivan. That's yeah, and it was. It was Sullivan. <laughs> I that really seemed like something that they could have bookended the movie with. I would it, and that's just my personal writing style, and I can't expect everyone to do it. But having that frantic thing at the beginning seemed like something they could have done at the end, and have the movie end on their first production instead of possibly wrapping up three plot threads and do that beforehand mm-hmm. yeah, right. and have the ending be Sullivan getting woken up and crashing through everything and getting to this performance instead. Well, I thought it was a little unfair. I was waiting for something to happen to, to Gilbert in, yeah. in that same, in yeah. that same vein. But this is the problem with the storyline is yeah. that it's, it, I think it let us down. It, it led us to something and then stopped and led us to something and stopped. Yeah. For over two hours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Definitely didn't win for screenwriting. We won't... I'm, I'm be... surprised it was even nominated. There's not a lot of... I mean... There's nothing left this year? I don't know. I've not heard of the movie Magnolia, but it would be the second movie nominated for screenplay whose mm-hmm. poster has a prominent flower on it. I Also, Being John Malkovich was on here. And The Sixth Sense... The movie which uh, M. Night Shyamalan sold his soul to the devil for. And then the devil got his dues back with The Last Airbender. (laughs) That movie's bad. Uh, Anyways, that (laughs) 
covers this. I was one off. Next week will not be the beginning of Lord of the Rings. It's uh, two weeks from now. What's next week? Uh, well, next week we'll save that as a surprise. I haven't rolled it well, yet. Well, I thought, I thought it was noteworthy just the fact that this um, did get nominated for Art Direction, which I thought appropriate. Oh, definitely. Because there were, there were some really interesting... Um, set the selections and, the... and decisions Ooh, made. I thought and the colors, colors in that things were, like that. were just yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. That in combination with the costuming yeah. was and the I telephone. really extraordinary. Oh, the ancient telephone yeah. and the only bit of slapstick in the movie yeah. was two people trying to talk on the telephone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pretty the funny. The old lady had the ear horn. She, she did have the ear horn too. Well, it was, uh, I have never seen a telephone set up like that ever in anywhere. I mean, obviously, they must have had them at that time, at least in Great Britain. Yeah. I'm sure I've never seen one portrayed in this country as such. Yeah. Dad, do you have any interesting facts? I don't have any other interesting facts. Sorry. All right. Sadness lacking in the trivia today. That's all right. Well, that's Ah. okay. Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.